Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Start. 
your servants, your prophets, your priests, your kings. You're ready to raise up those that are standing in the gap or across the seas and walk through dangerous territories because there is a joy awaiting them on the other side. Jesus despised the cross, disregarded shame, and the joy that awaited him. And many of us were unwilling to even cross the aisle of our street to share the gospel because we don't know the joy that's waiting on the other side. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us a glimpse of that joy today. That you would wreck us, not to destroy us, but to build us up. Just pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. We're continuing a study that we began online a couple weeks ago called Healing of the Nations. And I believe that this series has come at just the right time because more now than ever, I believe God is wanting to activate His church. He's wanting to activate. That word is a verb. It means put into motion to begin to do something new. For so long, religion and tradition has held the church captive. But God wants to bust that and set us free to do the kingdom work. I felt the heart of God for this season that, again, this is a season of realignment. It's like when you're in a car and your car is not in alignment. You might be able to drive straight, but it's going to wreck your vehicle. Fighting the alignment, fighting everything that is happening. But God wants to bring us into alignment so we no longer have to fight to do His will, but it becomes a part of the second nature, just a part of who we are. And I believe He is going to pour out His Spirit in an unprecedented way. And His church needs to be ready to receive it. And His church isn't an organization. His church is you and it's me. It's you and I. Young and old. Rich or poor. It doesn't matter. It's all we call in the name of the Lord. So we're talking about healing as an awakening to you and I to begin to align our hearts to what God has for us, to align our hearts to the truth that it is God's will to heal. That is his will. It is his will to heal. Satan, the thief, comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and life more abundantly. It is not God's will to destroy. That's the enemy. It's God's will to heal. He wants to heal. He wants to heal everyone. It says in his word, he wants none to perish, but all to be saved. We saw that last week, the word sozo, which means to be delivered, to be healed, and to be made whole. It's a complete holistic healing. This is God's will for every human being, everyone that has life and death. And this salvation, this healing that Jesus uh, brought that God wants to bring into the world. This was the ministry of Christ. We're going to take a look at this quickly. Christ came and he walked in the power of healing that, so he could open the door to the kingdom of God. They, the Jews have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the kingdom, wanting the Messiah to show up so they could be free from those that were holding them captive. First it was the Babylonians, then it was the Byzantines, and then the Persians, and then and now you had the Romans at the time of Christ, and they were always in a state of captivity because of their rebellion. So in their mind, they thought the Messiah was a coming king to free them, and then they would be talked off on the planet. But God had another plan. He may come to free them from their earthly captivity, he helped came to free them from the captivity of their hearts, their sinfulness, their sinful nature. So Jesus shows up and he begins opening the door so we can go 
really like, to know what it was like. And as he's opening the door, he declares, it's not coming. The kingdom is now among you. It is here and now. If I'm doing these signs, wonders, and miracles, it's because the kingdom has come among you. And so he preached and he taught and he did these like great sermons. We have the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, and it's revered even by secular uh, atheists alike that just the, the poetic structure and the wisdom in his teaching. He was a great teacher, but that's not all Jesus did. But yet that seems to be all the church is comfortable with. We're just comfortable with the teaching and the preaching and a few songs on Sunday, but not the other part of the ministry. Jesus, his ministry, we read the a summary of Matthew 4.23. We read it last week in Acts. Here in Matthew 4.23, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. It says, every Kind, not just some, all, all. The Bible says that if everything that Jesus did was recorded, there wouldn't be enough libraries on the planet to contain the books. There, he did so much stuff that we don't even know about because they, they couldn't write it all down. But he healed every kind of sickness, every kind of disease. And these illnesses, these sicknesses, diseases, the Lord wants them to free. Sickness of the spirit, sickness of the soul, and sickness of the body. And by his stripes, we are healed from all three. Soul, spirit, and body. Jesus healed all manner of sickness and disease and infirmity. Physical, spiritual, emotional. And he healed it. And he preached the kingdom. And here's what he said about his disciples, about those who would follow after him. John 14, verse 12. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the, what's that say? The same works. The same works I have done, and even greater work, because I'm going to be with the Father. Why greater work? Well, he's one man. Jesus came in a physical form. He was one man. There's only a limit to what he could do. The church is able to do greater because we are multiple. We're like the sand of the seashore. Imagine the work. If the work in the Bible reports that the world couldn't contain the books of all the things Christ did, imagine what it couldn't contain with the church that walked in the same power and authority. When we're talking about truly bringing and ushering the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And he doesn't say some believers will do the same works. He says what? Anyone who believes, anyone who believes will do the same work I have done. You, beloved, are not called just to be a student of the Bible. You're called to be a follower of Jesus. And as a follower of Christ, you'll do the same works. In Mark 16, 16 through 18, Jesus He's just giving his final instructions to his disciples. And here's what he says to the disciples gathered there. He says, anyone, somebody say anyone. Anyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Why is this important? He doesn't say anyone who isn't baptized will be condemned. He says anyone who doesn't what? Believe. Belief unlocks the change in you. 
You can go through every religious tradition. You can take communion every week. You can get baptized every day of your life. It means nothing if faith is not the catalyst of those gifts. It is belief, it is faith that unlocks the change in you. So the question is, if there's no change, but there's a lot of tradition, what do you have? You have religion. Faith brings change. It brings transformation. It begins to work this Christ-likeness into your life. And in verse 17 of Mark 16, he says to those who truly believe, says these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be what church? Healed. Sozo. Signed, sealed, delivered. This is what believers are like. This is the life of the believer. It's not a call to test God, but he's not saying what we need to do is get a bunch of poisonous vipers and dance around with them and see if you know, we get bitten, who's a real Christian or not. He's not saying test God, but what he is saying is if you're doing the kingdom work, there's an anointing on your life and power and protection. Psalm 91 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture that says those who rest in the shelter of the Most High, who dwell in His presence, dwell in safety. There's an anointing on the life of a believer who's doing the kingdom work. Jesus even said, don't worry about your, your money, your income, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. He says, if you seek my kingdom and my righteousness above everything else, you'll have everything you need. Our life isn't seeking the world, our life is seeking him, and the benefit blessing is poured out because of it. We don't strive to attain, we strive to please and Those who believe will do the same works. And what did Jesus do? He healed. So what will believers do? They will heal. Jesus seemed to think this would be the normal experience of believers. I've heard people argue against the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the, the power of God working in people's lives, and they said, well, maybe you know, I, I understand that can happen, but that's supposed to be normal. Well, if Jesus thought it was normal, I'd say it's probably normal. If Jesus on two different occasions said, this is what you're going to do, then I would say it's a normal occurrence. Healing was the ministry of Christ. He healed all kinds of sickness, every type of illness, body, soul, and spirit. And it's not just the ministry of Christ passed down to the church to the disciples. It is also the command of Christ. It's the ministry of Christ, but it's also a command of Christ. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, Jesus commands the disciples. He sends them out and he says, what church? Heal the sick. Raise the Cure those with Cast out. And give as, as you have received. Did they do anything to earn it? No. Jesus gave it to them. Why? Because they were his. They had a relationship. And so out of that relationship came the power of God to work in their lives to do the work of the kingdom. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Heal those with leprosy. Don't hide in terror and fear of diseases that are incurable. Walk in faith and cast it out and heal the sick. Walk in the authority and the power of God. Our world today is crippled in fear because of a virus. Beloved, if you're walking in faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing to fear because God is not giving you the spirit to live out of what? 
Holy Spirit is given. The power, love, and a sound mind. Many will say, well, that was just a command to the apostles, and so that doesn't apply to the rest of the church. So I'll use that as a way to say those gifts, that power died out when the apostles died out. Well, if so, in Matthew 28, 18-20, which is the Great Commission, which anyone will preach as a command to the church, here's what it says. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You've heard that preached, right? Amen? Amen. We agree with that, right? Well, here, next he says, do what? Teach these new disciples to obey what? All the commands. What did he just command the apostles? Heal the sick, cast out demons, heal those with leprosy, raise the dead. Teach them to obey all the commands I've given you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. If that were enough, in Luke chapter 10, verse 9, another group that were not the apostles, there were 72 other disciples. Jesus anointed them, and he gave them a similar command. He said, Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. Beloved, the gifts don't confirm the messenger, they confirm the message. And the message is the kingdom. The kingdom is now. God is calling all who will to be saved. Whoever shall call the name of the Lord will be saved. We preach the kingdom and we demonstrate the kingdom as a brother of Christ. It is his ministry, it is his command. And number three, there is a promise of Christ. Luke 10, 17 through 20. After the 72 disciples returned from their, their ministry work, they're all excited and they were rejoicing at all the miraculous things that happened on their journey, and I, and I can get a sense of what they were going through, because when you experience the power of God at work, when you experience God do something, it is life-shattering and earth-changing, and then you realize, this is why I was born. I was born for this. There's, there's nothing else I want to give my life for than to do this kind of work. And so they come back, and in verse 17 of Luke chapter 10, it says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Jesus said in verse 18, yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Isn't it amazing that when you walk in the power of God, you dethrone Satan. That there is such authority in the name of Jesus and who you are as a son and daughter of God, you have the power to overthrow Satan. And it's not because you're great, it's because he's great. It's because he's great. And he says, I have given you what? All authority over all the power of the enemy. What do we have to fear if we have authority over all the power of the enemy? Be of good courage. Be not afraid, for I, the Lord, go with you, and I will never leave you or forsake you. All authority is given to the beloved of Christ. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. The enemy's main weapon is fear, but God says, be not afraid, for I am with you. And if I am for you, nothing can be against you. Don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice. Why? Because your name is registered in heaven. It's not about what you can do. That's awesome. What's even greater is who you are. You're the beloved of God. You're the beloved of the Most High. And you have an anointing on your life to bring Number four, it is not just a promise, it is the birthright of the church. All who call the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the Bible 
says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's going to anoint you with power. And then you'll be his witness. And as the power of God comes upon you, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, says to each, so we're going to say each, just in case someone is feeling like maybe they got left out, let's say to each, I'm going to say it again, to each, so that means you, just in case you felt left out, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Every one of us has the Holy Spirit here in Christ, which means every one of us has the power of God at our he wants to manifest the Spirit through you. Why? For the common good. To build up the church. To testify the kingdom. To heal people in the community. To reach those who are far from God. Since for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge are going through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. This is all part of it. And my experience means many of the gifts work together to bring about the healing in an individual. But it's not just you get one gift and that's all you get. Often you're throwing in multiple gifts in order to bring about healing. That's why Paul said, give yourself passionately and earnestly to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Seek it. Give your whole self to it. Because there's an anointing, there's, there's a, a, a gifting available to you that God wants to use to bless the people around you. To bring about healing of all kinds, multiple gifts of healing. Healing of the mind, the body, and the spirit. What we get caught up often is in the comparison trap because we don't really understand how the kingdom works and how the gifts of the spirit and the anointing of God works. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 6. He says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in prophecy in proportion our faith. This is, a, this is an important verse because it's not saying that we don't get gifts. It's saying you have gifts. But there is a special kind of grace that is on your life that kind of determines the kind of gifting that you have. And so that gifting will be on display. You are to use it by the measure of faith that's in your life. So you get the grace through Christ but it's used at the level according to your faith. That's how it works. Often many of us will say, well, I don't have any gifts of the Spirit. That's a lie from Satan. If you have the Spirit of God, you have the gifts. The problem is, you might not have any faith. And so you're not walking in the power of God, because the measure of your gifts equals the measure of your faith. This is why the church is going to get activated. Why God's calling us to greater faith, because without faith it's impossible to please Him. We all come on. If we are to please Him, we are to come to him. Hebrews says, we must believe he exists, rewards those who diligently seek him, but yet the passion in which we seek him is usually next to nothing because we have so many other things that occupy our time and attention. And so if we're not seeing the power of God at work, it's because our faith is so anemic. And God is saying, walk in faith, grow your faith. How do you do that? You seek him. You seek the Holy Spirit. You take risks. When you see opportunities to pray for the sick, you pray for the sick. Believing God is faithful to his promise and to his word. When someone's dealing with oppression or, or any type of spiritual issue, you intercede, you pray, you get to church together to pray. And as you seek out work in your life, your faith begins to grow because you realize, oh, the word is true. God did mean what he said. And so you can count on that and take even greater steps.
gifts of the Spirit, they're in fact gifts. It comes from the word charis, which means grace. It's by grace we're saved. It's by grace we get gifts. And the charismata are the gifts of the Spirit, are the, the power, the anointings, the skills, the abilities we get from the grace that we get from the Lord. We did not earn them. They're freely given to Paul is saying here in Romans 12, 6, each of us are given these gifts according to the grace and the favor and the faith that is in our lives. So we should walk in them. Beloved, are you walking in your gifts? Are you walking in the gifts of the Spirit? What's holding you back from being the hand of God? See, it's not a bad thing or a demeaning thing to say, well, I look at my life and maybe I don't have as much faith as another person. What gets us into trouble is comparison. We're not to compare ourselves to one another. We compare ourselves to Jesus. If we all compare ourselves to Jesus, we're all down here. Right? If Jesus is the standard, I'm like down here. Right? We're all that way. We don't compare ourselves to one another. But when we see the power of God work in somebody else's life, what that is, is an invitation to trust Him in greater ways. To pursue Him even more diligently. To seek Him. To seek after Him. And as our faith grows, and so will the power of God in our lives. As we believe His Word and, and let that switch flip from I kind of believe to I totally believe, and I'm going to stake my life on that thing, that's when the whole thing will blow up in your lives. You'll see God working in ways you can never imagine. Matthew 21 21 through 22, Jesus is talking to His disciples about miraculous gifts and power. And he says, I told, I tell you the truth, if you have faith, you don't doubt. You can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, maybe you lift it up and throw it to the sea, and it will happen. You can pray for anything. Somebody say anything. anything. You can pray for anything. This is Jesus. I'm not making it up. It's not the Joey translation or I, I didn't like add this in to the story. This is Jesus. He said you can pray for anything. And if you have what church? Faith. You will. Receive it. If you have faith, you will receive. We don't even ask, let alone expect to receive in many ways. And here Jesus is saying there's an open invitation for the kingdom. And he's not saying you need to ask for that Ferrari that you don't need. He's not saying you need to ask for that million dollar mansion that you really don't need. He's saying seek the kingdom of God first. Delight in the Lord and he'll give you of the heart. If your heart is in line with Him, and you're asking for things according to His will, which is the kingdom of God coming, His will being done on earth as it is in heaven, the, the kingdom going in advance, you'll have everything you ask for, because it's what God already wants in your life and for the world. So He's saying, if you ask and you have faith, you will receive it. What in your life have you been afraid to ask for? This is, this is why we pray for the sick and don't seek healing oftentimes, it's because we don't actually believe he's going to heal. Well, if you don't believe it, why would I give it to you? He's saying believe, and if you have faith, you receive it. The difference often between the mess and the miracle is confidence that we have a God who means what he says and will always fulfill his word. He's the God of breakthrough. It's the difference between God can and God will. In Matthew chapter 17, there's a story, it's also related in Mark, it's about the story this man has a son who's demonized, he's heavily demonized, and he brings his son to the disciples to heal him, and they pray, and they, they do the things that they did when they were sent out to heal him. They 
raise the dead and cast out demons, and they couldn't do it. And they didn't know why they couldn't touch them. They're like, we don't know why we can't do this. And so the dad gets kind of frustrated with the disciples and takes the son to Jesus. And here's what the account says. It says, Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy. They left him from that moment and the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? You have to understand the frustration. Like, they were doing this before and it worked, right? When we get stuck in religion, we're like, man, we do it this way, man, we have this great effect, and so what do we do? We go back and we do it the same way, thinking it's in the method that the miracle happens. And it's not the method, it's the faith in the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Faith in Christ is what brings the miracle. The method is just an instrument or a way we process our faith and process the things that we do. But here they went through the method, it didn't work, so they're like, what happened? And Jesus, they asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And Jesus says plainly, you don't have enough faith. In the original language here, it's not that there was a bucket and their, their faith bucket was only so filled and they needed to fill up their bucket completely before they could cast the demon out. What it suggests in the language that they didn't have a faith that continued, they had a faith that stopped. But they got frustrated and they stopped, they gave up, and because they gave up, they didn't see the miracle. And Jesus is saying, if you had just kept going, if you had just kept believing until the miracle came, you would have seen this thing happen, but you gave up early. Just like in James chapter 5, where James relates the story of Elijah, and he said, Elijah, when he prayed for rain, he prayed multiple times. He prayed one time, no rain. Second time, no rain. Third time, God's the seventh time, and finally the rain came. He said, Elijah was just a man like we are. But the fervent prayer of a righteous person has power and produces wonderful results. But Elijah was just human, but he didn't give up. He continued to pray until he saw the miracle. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you stop, but if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain and move it. From this place, and nothing would be impossible. Mark 9, 28, 29, it's the same story, just a different account. It says, After then, Jesus was alone in the house, and decided to ask him, Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, This can only be cast out by prayer. If you look at the two and compare them together, you see they didn't have enough faith and stopped. And Jesus is saying, You could have cast it out by prayer, which means keep going, lean into God. Don't, don't say, well, I must not have enough anointing. Don't say, I must not have enough faith, and so I need to leave this up to the big waves and take it to the pastor, because then he can lay hands on me. No, he's saying, fast, pray, lean into me. Become so dependent on me for this miracle that you're willing to give up all things for this thing. It's like, then you'll be able to do it. It's an invitation. When we don't see the miracle, it is an invitation to press into Christ, not to give up. When the mountain doesn't move, it's not your cue to quit, it's your cue to press in harder. And this is really how the gifts of the Spirit work. If you have the gift of prophecy and you don't believe God's going to speak to you, you don't believe that He'll reveal things to you in your dreams, you don't think He's going to give you a word of knowledge to minister to somebody in the grocery aisle, you won't be listening, you won't be aware that it's going to happen, and you're going to forget you heard it over here. And you're going to miss out on the word. But if your faith says God is speaking, speaking now, and you're ready for it, guess what's going to happen? You'll see the opportunity, you'll take advantage of it, and you'll be a part of something you never expected. I'm convinced that God often waits to do the miraculous in your life to see if you can be trusted with the miraculous. If 
you're going to trust him even when the miracle doesn't come. There are times that I've shared this before, I pursued gifts of the Spirit in different ways, and words of knowledge was a one I was pursuing because I just believed that when people have an encounter with God and you read your mail, that's a that's a event you can't uh, you can't uh, disregard. And uh, I would go and I would say, Can God speak to me? And I would go to Walmart and I would uh, wait for someone to draw my attention. Okay, he's gonna reveal something, I would hear something in my heart, and I would test it. I'd say, you know, I believe this is from the Lord, and is this resonating with you? And they're like, no, Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of God. 
immature like children and won't be tossed and blown about like every wind of new teaching. It will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies or tell us to sign off the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. What's that say? As each part does what? Its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Our job as pastors, teachers, leaders is not to do the work of ministry. Your job is to do the work of ministry. Our job is to demonstrate how it works and then set you free to go and do it. Ministry does not happen in here. Go be minister to one another. Your ministry happens at church. The kingdom of God, that's where the ministry happens. And we have gotten for so long as Christians in the modern day. This mindset that says, this is the ministry. This is not the ministry. Go and minister to one another. The ministry happens in the street. The ministry happens in your neighborhood. The ministry happens at your grocery store. That's where the ministry happens. At your place of work. We don't do the ministry here. The work of the ministry happens out there when we testify the gospel of Christ and confirm the message through the demonstration of the power of Jesus Christ. And what's important is that it says the process that is outlined in Scripture where leaders demonstrate and equip and empower and we send you out into the world to do the work of the ministry, that process is vitally important because that is what builds us up and strengthens us. How does it do that? Well, when you come back into this place and say, oh my gosh, what God did, look at what God did this week, and you are excited to tell everybody, that increases the faith in us to say, well, if God did that with you, maybe he could do that with me. If God did that for this person, I know someone's struggling with the same thing. Maybe if I go pray, and I can, that can happen for them. And it encourages and builds up our strength. And the more we walk in faith, believe in God, the more power we're going to see, the more life change we're going to see in our community. And this is what God wants for us. Why are we bored in church? We're bored because we're not encountering the presence of God, and we're not rejoicing in what He did because He's not done anything. Because we've not let Him. We're not doing the work of ministry. We're coming to church and saying, oh, wasn't that great? God's presence is here. He wants to set us on fire. He wants to send us out. He wants to demonstrate the heart of the Father in each and every one of our lives. He wants to transform our families, our neighbors, our co-workers. He has a heart for the whole world. It's to heal them. And the way and the method he's using, choosing to do that is the healing of the nations won't come until the church rises up and takes its place. This week as I was praying, God told me two things. He says, teach them and then testify. Teach them and then testify. In Revelation it says the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Christ. Prophecy is simply calling what is not as if it were. Calling what is not as if it were. Saying, saying what God is saying about the world, declaring things according to the will of God. And the reason why we know prophetic things will come true is because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I was just reading my devotions this week and finished Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy and Joshua. I'm so excited to hear what God did to the, to the nation of Israel. But I just am reliving this idea that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, which means if he did it before, he's going to do it again. And if you think about the Red Sea, when he parted the waters and he crossed the Red Sea, we're like, man, that's that's a once in a 
life stood straight up and now I can walk on dry ground. Why? Because if you did it before, he's going to do it again. Revelation says he's going to dry up the Nile so that nations can march across the first place. Our God is the same yesterday, today, forever. What he did before, he's going to do again. So when we testify about what God is doing, what that does is that releases that spirit of prophecy. One, it glorifies Jesus. But two, it encourages our faith to say, well, if God healed this person's shoulder, well, then he's going to heal this person's shoulder. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's that healer. That's who he is. It's not just what he does. That's who he is. That story I was just mentioning a moment ago, that one of the first times that word knowledge came to be, we were on a date night, and we were at Applebee's in Bertrand, and I don't remember much happening there at dinner. I think we were just kind of praying or hanging out. I was kind of hoping that God would have a moment for me, but I don't think we had anything really spectacular happening. But as we left, my wife told me she felt like she needed to pray for the, the door host because the lady was always at the door, same lady every time we go. She's not the lady. She really thought that she needed to pray for her feet. And so we're like, okay, let's stop and ask her. And so we stopped and she was talking to her. And so we prayed for her feet, and I don't remember it being a miraculous healing, but it's just a, a sweet moment that I feel like that someone who feels invisible all the time had somebody actually care for a healing. And, uh, and sometimes that's just enough for God to touch somebody. But we left there, and because we're addicted to coffee, which we need to have, <laughs> um, but every day after every deal, we have to have a cup of coffee. It's pretty ridiculous, but that, that's us. It's our thing. We go to Dunkin' Donuts, which was near the area, and we walk in there, not expecting anything, but just kind of like rejoicing over what had happened. And, and we walk in there, and there's this um, lady behind the counter, and I was about to walk age, and she was there. And as I walk up to the counter, I just hear in my head, she wants a cookie. And I'm like, okay, is that it? You know? And then I think, you know, I was thinking, I'm going to look at this. And of course, I get up from them, you know, she, Talking to her presentation, and I said, Do you like purple? She's like, Yeah, I like purple. Okay, that's good. And I'm thinking, well, Okay, well, it was nice to figure out. And then my wife looks at me and she's like, Stop being a creeper and tell me why you asked me that question. And, and so I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I'm a Christian and I just believe that God still speaks today. And I just believe when I walked in, I heard in my heart that you got purple. And just right now, as I'm saying, I really feel like purple color represents royalty. God thinks of you like a princess and just loves you and adores you. And this lady, she's like, oh my gosh, you know, and she just like starts carrying on. And, uh, and she's like, just uh, like a month ago, somebody else was coming in and they were saying the same thing. It's like, y'all are tripping me out here. You know, just, you're tripping me out. And then right as she's saying that, I felt in my heart, uh, God said, she's been praying for something, I'm going to answer that prayer. And I said, and another thing. God said that you've been praying for something, and he's going to answer that, and she flipped out. She went into the other room, she's like bawling her eyes out, and going on, and one of her friends was sitting in the chairs next to the counter, and she comes out, and she's like, I'm not a cry, you know I'm not a cry, and her friend's like, no, you're not a cry, and she's like, she was going crazy, because it was simple, but the Holy Spirit was all over this moment, and, and we're just encouraging her and talking to her, and she's like, oh man, no, you've got me all messed up, and I don't care if you get coffee, but what I do care is to know that you have a relationship with God and that if you were to die, you would go to heaven. But if you ever ask Jesus into your life, he'd tell you into your life. She's like, I believe in God, but I've never asked him into my life because I really didn't want to. You want to do that? She's like, yeah. So we got to pull 
the chief praise that Jesus Christ is the Lord of Israel. And there's somebody going to heaven because we take the risk. Somebody can go wrong. She would have forgotten us, we would have forgotten about it, and we would have walked about it another time. But somebody got saved. And now the whole family will have an opportunity to be transformed. That's what it's about. There have been people here who have physical ailments. Timmy, you had a shoulder, you were expecting shoulder cuff surgery. We came forward, got the healer, we canceled the surgery. We went to my brother's keeper one night, and we didn't have enough food. Then we planned for 30, and there's 50 or 60 people there. We blessed the food. And I think God multiplies because everybody was stuffed, and everyone got fed. We gave him what we had, and he did something miraculous with it. Then we got to minister to the guys that, that night. One person accepted Christ, broke an ankle, got healed. Someone else who had a knife wound, his shoulder was healed. A guy who was in a wheelchair, had knee surgery, couldn't bend his knee or stand. He got to stand and walk around. I mean, God was moving. He is a miracle maker. He is a healer. And it's not because of anything I have done or deserved. It's simply because at some point in my life, I said, God, I want to be filled on use and I don't care what I want. My wife is on the same journey. We don't encourage our kids to be on the same journey. We encourage you to be on the same journey. And when you have those encounters, I think it blesses you more than it does the person that has the encounter. There's a guy on my street a couple weeks ago who got to pray and God healed his shoulder. Christ, but I know you don't. Because as soon as this quarantine thing's lifted, I have a coffee date with God. God's not done with me. And I'm a pretty good arguer. But this is what it's about. It's not about elevating. Did I do anything to deserve? No, it's grace. Grace is given to all of all the world. It's grace to you, grace to me. How much faith do you need? You have enough faith to say, God, I'm trusting you no matter what I feel like. As God begins to open it up, you get to see born again. Born again. Not what it was. Don't say anything. Am I perfect? God knows this much. My wife will tell you I messed up even this morning. But I'm not the same as I was. And I have a different reason for it. And if I wasn't a pastor, I'd still be doing the same thing. Because it's not about a position of calling or job. It's about who I am in Jesus Christ. It's about who you are in the name of God. God has a purpose for you. He wants to wreck your workplace with the presence of the Holy Spirit. The question is, are you going to do that? Spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Christ. We testify. We encourage our faith. God is moving. I hope for you. Something we've been praying through, and my wife and I have had many conversations. God is getting ready to do something in the church. It's unlike it might be a world wide revival, something that we've never seen. The enemy is doing his best in the culture and in the world. But God is working in and among those who see. He's getting ready to do something that I don't think any of us have ever experienced. The only thing that we're 
From all of us at Vertical Life Church, we want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you, and God bless.